any dad will tell you it is the best day of your life. So it means nearly baby time. The beginning of a new life. Baby time. Announced by the sweetest sound I'd ever heard. Followed by one of the weirdest sounds I'd ever heard. Then I realised, bloody heck, the gleeful gushing was coming from me. Oh, there she is! <laughs> oh, there she is! Oh my god! And while I wailed on, my amazing wife had done the real work. A nine month marathon topped off with a 52 hour labour. 52 hours! To deliver our little Evelyn Rose. Well done, well done. Well done. As our daughter took her first breath, I took the first snaps. Oh, girl, I'll show that to you at your 21st. Okay. 3830. 3830. It was 6.30 in the morning, the start of a new day and the rest of our lives. Woman, man, and child. What do babies say? What do babies want? What do babies do? This the baby life. This is the Man Child Podcast, an account of my dive into dadhood. From the protests. Don't cry for me, Evan Rose. To the nervous negotiations. Okay. Should we agree to talk about it? Okay, I'll give you the rattler. The unexpected insights. Oh no. Oh it off. And the moments that make it all worth it. Smile? On my unlit first path through the fog of fatherhood. What the baby said? Man Child brought to you by News Hub and Rascal and Friends. I suppose, like most dads, before that day of days, my qualifications for becoming a parent were pretty few and far between. I mean, my wife and I had our little dogs who make mess like babies. At the time, our cavoodle, Mabel, got into the bin. Mabel, who did this? Don't be happy. Or when our poodle, Wally, is rude to the neighbourhood birds. Cut it out, Wally. And of course, the unconditional loyalty. Are you pleased to see Daddy? Are you pleased to see Daddy? Yes, Now, a person wiser than myself once said, you can't understand someone until you've walked a mile in their shoes. Barring some medical miracle, as a man, I will never understand the stress and strains that being pregnant places on women. But I did try. And the closest I could get was wearing what is called a pregnancy suit. Could you help me actually, like, tie it up at the back? It's Tuesday in the News Hub newsroom, and podcast producer Maggie Wicks is helping me into the pregnancy suit I borrowed from my neonatal class. Just tighter, but you're not carrying any weight there at all. You may have seen or heard of these suits before. It consists of a pregnant belly that is meant to weigh the same as a baby. And yes, 
it also has two breasts. Oh, my God. How can I empathise if I don't can walk? Can I touch your breasts? Can you touch my breasts? <laughs> what question is that? Typically, in an antenatal class, that's those pre-baby group workshops that expectant parents are told to attend, men are asked to wear one of these suits for, say, a couple of hours. But I decided to see if I could last an entire work day in one. OK, I know it's hardly nine months, but I am a man after all. Oh, did you wear one? Yeah, for a day. <laughs> OK, how'd that go? The woman you hear laughing is experienced midwife Kathy Frey. She's also the author of popular book, Oh Baby, Birth, Babies and Motherhood Uncensored. Do you consider that kind of empathy training as useful? I guess I think that for some men, well, probably for all men, it could be quite an eye-opener. On saying that, you know, it probably takes some other men just way out of their comfort zone. At work, with two boobs and belly now strapped to me, I was most definitely out of my comfort zone. Okay, so I'm joined here today by um, Maggie Wicks, who herself has actually been pregnant for an entire nine months. What are your tips for getting through a business day while you're pregnant? How do I make it more comfortable? Uh, you have to walk slowly. Slowly? You have to take small steps and walk slowly, otherwise you'll get cramps and stitches and all sorts. Do you bump into things? Cause, like, do you, you, bump, you can't slip through crowds anymore. You can't turn suddenly because you'll forget how big you are. Really? Yeah, you, you can bang. lose your balance really easily. Oh, and this is important. You can't wear anything loose and light because if your baby kicks, everybody will see your dress wiggle and it's really embarrassing. It was at this point that News Hub Nation senior producer and mum, Nicola Russell, came over to see why I was looking like a weirdo. She then proceeded to touch my fake pregnant stomach. People used to do this all the time and I used to want to punch them in the face. <laughs> so Nicholas is going to be touching on the stomach. Instinctively, I've just been wanting to touch my stomach. Oh, that's interesting. I started to realise that actually the best insight a pregnancy suit could provide came not from the experience of wearing it, but from the conversations it provoked from women who had been pregnant. What's your words of advice? Don't listen to anybody else's birth stories. People want to tell you their horror birth stories, and it's not helpful. And it's because they haven't had a chance to talk about that, and it's probably been quite traumatic. But it's not helpful to tell a pregnant person that. Right. I used to tell them. I just used to stop people before they started. When I knew that they were starting to tell me their birth story, I'd say, I'm sorry, but I don't want to know. Because I wanted to have my own experience of birth without everyone telling me theirs. And um, also I didn't Uh, want to be scared. And indeed, scared was how my mum told me she had felt when she was pregnant with me. Well, you came exactly on time. This is my mum. Mary. You were a placid little boy, really. I can't recall that we had a lot of trouble with you sleeping. Mum's right. I still sleep like a plank, much to the annoyance of my wife. But I was child number three to my parents. My brother John was the first. Until my grandmother arrived from Ireland, Mum says she felt all at sea as a new parent. What I was surrounded by in the first six weeks of John's life was... Uh, all our friends and colleagues who didn't have any children. It wasn't like the lady next door had children. My whole socialisation or social connections were young couples without children and there was nobody to commiserate with or 
plunket groups or oh. anything like that. So where did I fit in terms of developmental progress to my siblings? Was I out in front of the pack or was I straggling in the, in the behind? I need to know what my future looks like, or at least a 50% chance of it. My dad, Brian, not as soft as my mum when it comes to telling me hard truths. You had your own little developmental stream, which was quite different. And you developed your own language, which was different from the rest of theirs. According to my Plunkett book, wise words such as udat and allo, allo, allo were common utterances. Being honest, I have no idea, even now, what I was talking about back then. What was your greatest anxiety about being a new parent? I was terrified of being a new parent. And even with my four children, I never fully relaxed with any of you until you were about six months. And by the time you reached six months, I felt I could tell what was happening with you or I could uh, trust my instincts as to what was going on. Prior to six months, my babies were my boss. So even at number four, after having had three previous kids, that was not an anxiety that ever left? No. It was always there, up to six months, and then I began to feel like I was in charge again. And Dad, what about you? Well, I, I can remember the first three months were basically <coughs> feed and abdominal issues and not much relationship and it was only from about six months that the child started to interact enough to make it all worthwhile really. What, what do you mean abdominal issues? Well, belly ache and poos and oh. discomfort and all those issues because babies in that age group are peripherally interested in you, yeah. they're mainly interested in you as long as you keep feeding them and they are comfortable with the world as long as their abdomen is comfortable. Because that's about their only major source of discomfort is abdominal gas and hunger and that sort of thing. So it's a bit mundane until they get to be six months when they start to be a bit more interesting. Rascal and Friends Premium Nappies and Pants are changing the nappy game. They're known for keeping poonamis contained with features like a 3D core for an increased absorbency area, double leak guards and a high back waistband. Available in their cute signature print in all sizes from newborn to junior and new to the Rascal Collection, sensitive wipes made with 99 plus percent natural ingredients. Perfect for cleaning up little and not so little Rascal messes. Get your Rascal and Friends from New World Pack and Save in Foursquare Nationwide. Back at work and having the pregnancy suit on for several hours, it was beginning to cause me abdominal issues of my own. As a man, it is very difficult to pee while pregnant. Did you have to sit on the toilet? I didn't sit on the toilet. <laughs> I'm not going to surrender all of my manliness. No, it was just a bit more of a blind yeah, how exercise. Did, how did you reach yourself? My own father told me being a new dad also seems like a blind exercise at first. His advice to me... Men can think every challenge, like constant crying, is a problem in need of an answer, when really sometimes it's just a baby being a baby. It was advice that stuck with me in those first few whirlwind hours after Evelyn's birth. With 150% certainty, say to any um, blokes that are about to go through that process, it's every bit as awesome and if not more than they make it sound. There's something 
life-changing about making eye contact with um, your firstborn child for the first time. Another heads up, lads. Delivery day will just serve to confirm your partner is profoundly more capable than you are. Having witnessed firsthand, obviously, the last nine months, but she had to go through it with a 52-hour-plus labour. One gets reminded that, uh, bloody hell, woman, you have to carry so much, um, both <laughs> actually and, and in every other sense. You know, you feel, as a, a husband, you feel like a bit of a, a passenger and you're just left in a sense of cool, bloody hell um, type uh, admiration and respect. Most guys um, in the labour ward itself are completely out of their depth. This is our obstetrician, Dr Neil Patterson, and he has some great advice for expectant dads, which he shared with me and is worth repeating. The person who's receiving the pain is the one who should decide how to deal with it, which is quite a good way of saying shut up and let her decide what she wants to do. If she wants an epidural, don't say, oh, you shouldn't have one of those. For us, our birth plan was a relatively simple one. Whatever Neil thought was in the best interests of my wife and the baby is the plan that we would follow. I also spoke with experienced midwife Jules Patterson, who also happens to be Neil's wife, about her tips for soon-to-be fathers. Just don't say, how are you going? <laughs> you know, don't say, how are you? You know, it's friggin' obvious that, <laughs> like, this is not a good tennis game. Now, you might think it should go without saying that delivery day should be all about mum and the baby. Well, not every dad, it seems, sees it that way. One guy who I looked after, his wife, said he didn't give me much attention. Now, can you imagine someone who thinks that way? Just be aware of this is her day and be aware of her needs and fill those needs with, you know, like... And be prepared to be insulted. You're going to be insulted. You're going to be told, you know, fairly shortly, don't fucking do that. And so don't be offended and, yeah. and, like, be really helpful. Now, of course, both Neil and Jules are quick to point out new dads need to understand... All of what they see during labour won't be pretty. So the birth itself, even if it goes perfectly normal, I think is pretty traumatic for the dads because they are watching their loved one suffer. So you didn't see this because it didn't happen to you guys, but the next level after that is when you do an operative vaginal birth, which is 20% of first-time mothers, and you get these instruments that are this long, (laughs) and you rush up to... (laughs) And you lose half of them inside that will, you know, yeah, yeah. you get the point. Yeah. Yeah. And so I think that um, to some extent the antenatal classes should counsel the guys about this. Yeah. You know, so nowadays there's no safety problems with in New Zealand with people doing those sort of births that are instant. You know, you don't jam it out the other side or anything. <laughs> but there can be long-term complications for them. That's completely separate. You know, they, if you have a force of birth, you're more likely to have ladder troubles in the future. But you don't have anything instant that looks terrible. But, as I say, for this long, and if you're going to have a Von Tuz, there's a great big machine that comes <laughs> in. You know, I think that's pretty scary. Yeah. It's scary. The, it's a, the woman's a little bit protected because she doesn't see it, yeah. and she's in pain, and she just wants the delivery over and done yeah. with it. So she doesn't care what you do, just get on with it. Yeah. Whereas a guy's got to sit there and watch it. You know, I think even a normal birth is a bit traumatic. And yes, some of you will faint. So when does it happen? It tends to happen in the operating theatre. Um, so for a guy to faint usually requires the whole level of anxiety to go up. Right. 
and that's because he's really concerned about what's happening to his wife and he's never had any concept that this would happen before. Yeah. But fainting in the caesarean section theatre and then there's people operating on your wife and blood's on the floor and things. Yeah. So, so that's understandable faint. I, I just wasn't sure and the, whole, the overwhelming um, nature of the experience, I ended up feeling a little bit faint and had to sit down. Rob Dowd is Broadcast Standards Manager at MediaWorks. He is also a new dad who came close to keeling over during the birth of his baby boy, Jimmy. It ha- happens to me every time I'm in a, a theatre or getting like oh, getting right. a cut stitch or anything like that. I yeah. always faint. Same thing bloody <laughs> happened with us. And um, so I just sat on the floor and they brought me a, a wet flannel and a, a glass of water and I was okay. But yeah, it was the classic, you know, dad's fainting thing. I work with Rob and I recently spoke with him and our other work colleague, Dan Rutledge, about their respective big days. You'll hear from Rob and Dan throughout this podcast series. Um, you know, there's always blood and people yeah. with gloves. It's, it's just a scary place. It's cold as hell in there. Yeah, yeah. Um, so all of that, no matter how much prep work, there was an element of, of nervousness. Mm. But as soon as I heard that little boy cry, it was, <laughs> um, yeah, it was, it was just as breathtaking and emotional and overwhelming as, as I always imagined. It was truly overwhelming. I, um, I was... With Lily, I was behind the screen, you know, like close to her face, just reassuring yeah. her. And I was just, you know, stressed out the whole time. Just all I, all I wanted to hear was him cry. And then eventually, you know, when he was wrenched out because it was very difficult to get him out, yeah. um, I just heard him cry and I was like, oh, sweet, he's okay. Yeah. And then um, I just went and, I went and um, looked at him when he was sitting in the incubator thing and yeah. had a little mask on to clear out his airways. And I actually, I, I found that um, pretty hard going. I think it was just sort of the, you know, the worrying that there was still something wrong when you had the mask on, yeah. which I, I think is just a standard thing, but I, I just wasn't sure. I instantly understood what Rob was thinking about. It was something I encountered as early as our first night with Evelyn in the maternity ward. Your head is in a swirl of emotions and concerns. Concern for your wife, who has just been through this massive surgical procedure and is now responsible for feeding the other person you are concerned for. The little human you have been given the responsibility of raising. You have to say one of the first things as parents you get really paranoid about is is the baby breathing? Is it breathing in any way impeded? And so, like, our first nervous moment was when Evelyn was on her back and she refluxed. So basically, all the milk that went in came back out at twice the speed. I found some in my hair, shoulder. It's quite an impressive range. Yeah, they do say, look, trust your baby, they're resilient, but it's kind of hard when you're a new parent because they're just so blooming. Yeah, kind of changes your perspective on things. She's probably a lot more resilient than I give her credit for. Maybe that's something that'll pass with time. As is now commonplace, while we were in the hospital, we got to keep Evelyn with us in our own room a practice not yet standard when my siblings and I were born. We were in the um, maternity hospital. John had been born. Mm. He tended to cry rather a lot. And on about day four, your father was visiting me. And I thought I would move John to the nursery. Your dad and I had a lovely visiting hour. And before your dad left... We both went to the nursery to see John. We went into the nursery where there were about 20 babies, and one of them was crying. 
So we picked it up, and halfway down the hallway, the nurse from the nursery came running down after us. And she said, excuse me, you've got the wrong baby. And I said, but that's the only one that was crying in there. That's mine. And she said, no, it's not. Fortunately for Evelyn, my wife and I had identified the correct child. And because my wife had a caesarean, we ended up spending several nights in the maternity ward under the watchful gaze of hospital staff. Midwife Jules Patterson. So for the first couple of weeks, I think the man needs to be there and having the baby on his chest and smelling. I mean, the baby needs to know who his caregivers are, Mm. his or her caregivers are. And so for him to have the baby on his chest too, you know, having all that smell and him and the baby learning the two parents are. And for me, I was really looking forward to getting to know my little girl, Evelyn. What the baby do? I wouldn't say I was proud of myself for getting through just one day of wearing a pregnancy suit. Off comes the suit. To all the sceptical women out there as to the um, usefulness of such an experiment, a day in the life of a pregnant woman by a man, I agree completely. Nothing about walking around it with a... um, uh, pregnancy suit can go anywhere near close to replicating uh, what it's like for a woman to go through that for nine months. Um, not even on the same planet uh, can you get close. But uh, for what it's worth, it has given me uh, an even greater uh, appreciation um, uh, for uh, the great challenge that is pregnancy. And as I do every night, I'm going to give my wife a hug. I think I might hug her a little bit harder because, yeah, we do not know how easy we, we have it. And no amount of walking around in a pregnancy suit can ever hope to um, put, a, put ourselves in the shoes of uh, a woman carrying a baby for nine months. But there was a role I was expected to have full capabilities for. Keeping my baby alive. Feeding, toileting, the works. Next time on Manchild. Oh no. Oh! it off! Oh! Whoa, that just really kicked. Sorry, sorry, Ben. <laughs> Oh man, that just that came out of nowhere. I feel, I feel a renewed respect for women. Man Child was brought to you by News Hub and Rascal and Friends. Written by me, Mike Wesley-Smith. Produced by Maggie Wicks. With audio engineering by Phil Yule. Go to newshub.co.nz forward slash podcasts for more.